Hi folks, it's a pleasure to share with you today an interview I recorded in May this year with Bitcoin Lightning Network expert Pierre Rochard. Pierre explained to me the history of the development of the high-speed, low-cost payments layer for Bitcoin known as the Lightning Network. He gave us an overview of the features that allow for this speed, low cost, security, convenience and network effects of the protocol, and how Kraken's implementation can help users and people all over the world use Bitcoin for payments without high transaction fees. I hope you enjoy the show. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Well, Pierre, thanks a lot for joining me today. It's really cool to have you on the show. And I'd love you to tell me a little bit about your background uh, and how you, I guess, how you came to be working with Kraken. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Um, so really, I think the, the the relevant part of my background is that I stumbled onto Bitcoin in 2012 and kind of went down the rabbit hole. Um, my background at that point was that I was a graduate student learning about financial accounting. And um, so that I was also interested in monetary economics. So at the mm. time I was kind of like a, a gold bug type person, uh, you know, interested in sound money and Austrian economics. Um, so Bitcoin really was fascinating to me, not just from that perspective of sound money, but also from the technology side. Um, when I was in high school, I was installing Linux on my computer and I was really interested in open source software, free software. And that that Bitcoin combined these two interests mm. um, kind of made it inevitable that I would probably spend the rest of my life on it. Um, <laughs> now, a decade later, uh, still very much uh, focused on it. Um, I joined Kraken two and a half years ago. Um, before I joined Kraken, I was working on open source software um, around Lightning and Bitcoin. Um, and I got the chance to meet uh, the head of the OTC desk, Nelson Minier, at a steak dinner in New York, and uh, he he pulled me into the fold. Uh, really great to have you, and uh, I think um, actually there's a lot of yeah those Venn diagrams for me relatively similar, slightly different um, approach. But yeah, I, I I can see why 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 you stayed, and and I'd, I'd love to go backwards in time again, I guess, and just talk about some of the things that um, you know I guess Bitcoin. And it's, uh, yeah, well, there's been legitimate questions about about scaling for Bitcoin and Lightning is known as a scaling layer. So it'd be great if you could tell me about the things that you've been doing over the years with Lightning. And and, and I guess then we can kind of zone in on what, what you've done with, with implementation here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're right that, that scaling actually was the first question that Satoshi received in response to him posting the white paper um, on October 31st, 2008, um, and uh, of course, energy usage as well. So uh, I think from day zero, those two mm. questions have been uh, central to the Bitcoin story and thinking about its future. Um, I got interested in the scaling debate as well in 2014 and 2015. Um, I was arguing with Gavin Andreessen on IRC about it, um, and I was in what we would now call the small block camp of saying <laughs> uh, we should not raise the block size limit above one megabyte 
because from my vantage point, um, what really made in Bitcoin decentralized was how inexpensive it was to run a Bitcoin node. And I kind of stumbled onto running a Bitcoin node because when, when I was going to get a Bitcoin wallet <laughs> to receive Bitcoin, um, that was the first choice I found was that mm. uh, you download a, a Bitcoin core, what we call it today, uh, and you sync a full node. And I did that on you know my college student laptop. And I was kind of a first class citizen on the Bitcoin network just by default. Um, and, and the fact that it, it verified the entire ledger history, um, to me, that's that's really what makes Bitcoin special and what makes it decentralized. So uh, keeping that cost low, um, I think, is, is really important. And the uh, Bitcoin developer community has, has done a great job doing that. Um, so the challenge there, though, is uh, on the flip side, I want everyone to be using Bitcoin. And I want everyone to be able to hold their own keys uh, and to, to have their own wallet. Um, and if we have a block size limit, that does put an upper bound on how many people can use Bitcoin in a decentralized, trustless manner. Um, the, uh, when, when Lightning's white paper first came out uh, in 2015, I was actually pretty skeptical of it. Um, when I read it, I, it seemed overly complicated uh, in my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of had the view that, well, we're going to have fiber optic internet everywhere in the future anyway. So we'll be able to raise the block size limit when that's kind of widely available. But then in 2018, uh, after Lightning had launched on the mainnet, I did a residency at Chain Code Labs in New York, which is kind of a, a, a Bitcoin uh, protocol research group. And the residency was about Lightning. And uh, to prepare for it, I kind of went through um, the Lightning specifications as well as actually ran a Lightning node. And I completely changed my mind on it. Um, mm. The developers did a great job of hiding a lot of the complexity from the end user um, and delivering, uh, you know, even though it's in the command line, a somewhat um, good, approachable uh, experience, developer experience. Um, although then getting it to the last mile, right, to the end user, mm. um, that that was the next challenge. D different challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really fascinating. I, I mean, wh why don't we... Um... Why don't we just go down the stack then? Tell, can you tell me and, and the listener, I guess, a little bit about that complexity? I think that'd be really interesting for people to understand, you know, and then we can go and abstract it away and talk about what we're doing with Kraken, but it'd be really cool to, to play out a little bit of what goes on at the Lightning, at the Lightning Network level. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what really persuaded me that Lightning is a viable scaling solution uh, is that it is as decentralized as Bitcoin is, it's as permissionless, it's open source. Um, and the reason why it is, is because it's actually anchored in the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, what I mean by that is that when you are joining the Lightning Network, what you do is you open a channel or a set of channels with other Lightning nodes. And opening a channel entails actually creating a Bitcoin transaction a multi-sig and broadcasting it to the Bitcoin network. And then a miner will include it in a block. And at that point, you've anchored the channel 
into the history of the ledger. And then what you do is that you update the balance of the channel off chain. And the reason why that part is secure is because of a combination of time locks and game theory. So essentially the risk here is that your peer in that channel, the other node, would try to cheat you by closing the channel using an old version that is in their favor. And the uh, mitigation or uh, how we uh, prevent that from happening is that if they were to do that and try to cheat, then you, the honest person um, who is being cheated, would broadcast what's called a punishment transaction that actually takes the entire balance of the channel and gives it to you. Um, and so as long as you're online, then you'll be able to broadcast the punishment transaction and prevent uh, somebody from cheating you. So as, as the attacker, that means that you're disincentivized from ever cheating because if you do try something, uh, any funny business, then you know that there's gonna be a disproportionate punishment uh, where all of your Bitcoin that were in the channel as well uh, get taken from you. So in practice, the equilibrium outcome of this game theory is that uh, participants on the Lightning Network don't cheat. And uh, it's possible to instantly send uh, Bitcoin payments back and forth over these channels at a much lower fee than you would pay on chain. Um, so that's kind of the, the nitty gritty. Yeah, that's really cool. I think just to just and correct me if I'm wrong, I'll just try and replay a little bit of that. Um, so, so basically, when you want to join the Lightning Network or create, basically help create it by building out a channel and, and, and creating a channel, you're locking up Bitcoin from the Bitcoin blockchain into this new open source ledger that's connected you know, in a decentralized way. And, and then you use the, the open source Lightning Network kind of inbuilt ledger system to to essentially create another ledger right on that network between you know two counterparties at minimum but there can be more can uh, my understanding here is that you can link them up and maybe you can talk about that in a second and then as that ledger updates over time at any point in time you can then bring that coin back out of the multi-sig back down to the network um you know uh, into the wallets of the original counterparties uh but but you but they they might be different now because the ledger over time you know, maybe you know I've sent more to you and 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 you've given me goods and services as a, as a result but then you you can close that down again in the future uh, and 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 you get that Bitcoin back is that a fair description of how people might use this kind of thing that is and and I would emphasize that the the key difference between the Bitcoin network and the Lightning network is that on the Bitcoin network you have one global ledger that everyone shares. And so when you run a Bitcoin node, you download that whole blockchain um, that has all of the transactions of the ledger. And that, that gives you some really strong assurances, especially around preventing uh, unexpected inflation. So that's really the only way to prevent unexpected inflation is to have a copy of everyone's transactions and verify them all. With Lightning, um, each channel is its own ledger. Uh, so Lightning is, uh, at this point, tens of thousands of different ledgers, um, each uh, that are backed by the game theory, essentially. Where um, And it, it's also, I think, important to emphasize that um, 
any update to the ledger on Lightning actually involves creating a new valid Bitcoin transaction and then just not broadcasting it, uh, holding it off chain. Um, but at any point, either party in the channel uh, can take that valid transaction that is signed by the other peer and broadcast it back to the Bitcoin network and um, get, get their coins uh, to a cold storage, for example. Okay, cool. So um, importantly, you can't just create new Bitcoin in these in these Lightning nodes. There's like a like a, a finite balance you can play with. Once you create a channel, um, you know you put say put one Bitcoin in there for for an obtuse example. So you put one in, um, and uh, and and you you know I might then accept uh, you. You might, um, for example, be providing me a good or a service. Let's call it a coffee. Uh, I like coffee. And I might pay you via that channel using Bitcoin over time. There are a fair few coffees in there, right, uh, in that one Bitcoin. But then we get some point during that period of time, one of us wants the Bitcoin back in our cold storage. Um, uh, we can close it down. But but tell me a little bit about why Lightning channels don't necessarily always need to close down because it's my understanding that you can link them up and you can – um, route essentially on this secondary ne network through through a bunch of other channels if you need to. That's correct. And this is really what makes Lightning incredibly scalable is that um, even if you're not, it, even if the coffee shop is not going to pay you for something, right, because you might not be an employee at the coffee shop, um, there, there, there might be a, a roundabout way where um, that channel balance is still going to come back to you. Um, and that's the, the, the beauty of Lightning is that you can have routed payments that might have eight hops or 12 hops uh, from the uh, source node to the destination node. Um, and that's, um, yeah, that, that's really what makes it that much more scalable is that not only can you send payments back and forth over one channel and reuse that channel forever? Um, you can also connect these channels together and create a mesh network. And it's very much how the internet works today, um, where you, you can think of your ISP as a peer uh, and the, you, know, you have your internet connection, uh, but they are connected to all sorts of different backbone networks that are connecting all of the different uh, continents all over the world. Um, and that's what allows there to essentially be liquidity on the network. I, I think there's um, there's a whole bunch of people out there who um, have experienced high fees uh, on on the Bitcoin network. And it's been why they perhaps they don't, you know, use it as a means of payment. And there's been a lot of criticism in the you know, public criticism of Bitcoin over time. I don't mean just today, but even recently people say, you know, Bitcoin it's too expensive to use. So, so then, how does the Lightning Network um, fix that? Because surely there are costs in terms of running, you know, a Lightning node. And why are the costs different? And why, why, why is Lightning cheaper? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is a, a really uh, key part of Bitcoin or Lightning's value proposition. Um, the Bitcoin Network charges transaction fees based on two factors. One, the amount of data that the transaction takes up. And so uh, if your transaction has a lot of inputs, a lot of outputs, um, that's going to be expensive, regardless of how much value you're actually transferring. 
So you might actually just be moving $10 worth of Bitcoin, um, but because it's spread out over lots of small uh, UTXOs, small outputs, uh, that that would actually be, you know, uh, a transaction fee greater than $10. Uh, mm. It's something that, that has happened in the past um, and, and continues to happen just uh, based on uh, people essentially uh, using the the network uh, in kind of a cavalier manner. Um, but on uh, Lightning, the fee is called a routing fee, and it's actually charged based as a percentage of the value being transacted. And so um, the data now becomes irrelevant. And uh, what's really relevant is how much are you sending? So on Lightning, you could be sending a penny and you'll still be charged uh, a, a fraction of it. So you know it might be 0.01%. Um, and that, that, that's, that fee makes it much more uh, possible to do things like micropayments or even to do just normal retail coffee payments where um, today on-chain Bitcoin fees are very low, uh, but it would still cost you like 40 cents to send Bitcoin uh, on-chain. Uh, so that doesn't really make sense for coffee. Uh, but with Lightning to send, let's say, $5, you might pay uh, 0.5 pennies, uh, you know, half a penny. So um, there's uh, a key value proposition there in terms of having much lower fees. Um, and I think that's really important for uh, the financial inclusion part of uh, this whole industry, which is that uh, we make grandiose uh, promises about how uh, we are making uh, the financial system more inclusive. Uh, but when transaction fees are very high, it actually really deters uh, lower income people from even considering using these systems. Uh, and so that's why I think that lightning adoption is so important, um, because ultimately it, the 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 way that Bitcoin is going to grow is bottom up, is by uh, lots of people adopting it. And I, I think that if Bitcoin adoption only happens via the speculative route of billionaires uh, holding, you know, lots of Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Um, I think that adoption, uh, that method of adoption is going to be much slower uh, than if we build up uh, an economy around it. Yeah, that is a really interesting point. And maybe, you know, it's my fault for, for using coffee, but I think the, the important thing to remember is that that fraction of a cent, uh, you know, or a penny that that applies for a cross border, you know, a transaction on the internet to anywhere. So I think that's a really important thing to remember is that we make, you know, we we use the internet for for, for transactions all the time, but it's unlikely that we use um, the internet for small transactions because even sending, you know, fiat, that traditional, you know, dollars and cents overseas or or even to companies, there's costs involved and they're not insubstantial. So um, just one last question on the fees. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, 0.01%. Is that fee uh, something that can be, there can be competition around or is it set by the Lightning, like the open source network? How does that work? Yes. Uh, so really, um, if you have a channel open directly with the person that you're going to pay, they are your peer, then the fee is actually zero. It's free. Um, all, all the all the only cost would be opening up that channel, which is something that you would only have to do once, um, and then 
uh, forever, you would be able to send Bitcoin back and forth over that channel with that peer for free. Um, when you do have to pay is when you are doing a routed payment uh, through multiple hops. And so, or even just one hop. Um, and that is actually your um, Lightning node, your Lightning wallet is going to evaluate kind of the network uh, topology or um, kind of the uh, how all the different channels are laid out between the nodes. And it's going to calculate, okay, here's the lowest fee route. Let's try that one out first. And if it works, then we're good to go. Um, if it doesn't work, then we'll find the next route that charges a little bit more and so on and so forth. And so there's kind of a, a supply and demand uh, dynamic there where routers want to simultaneously be highly reliable and charge as low of a fee as possible. And the beauty of Lightning is that unlike proprietary networks, I won't name names, but um, a lot of the legacy players, all of the legacy players, anyone can become a Lightning routing node. Mm. So because there's free entry, there's no barriers to entry, it's completely permissionless, uh, that does cause tremendous downward pressure on uh, routers' ability to charge fees. That's fascinating. Okay, well, let's jump into, I guess, what Kraken's doing because you know it was announced uh, and we're live now. We have a Lightning node. Uh, can you tell us about uh, about that process and, and and about how Kraken's made that implementation? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we joined the Lightning Network a couple of months ago now, and we joined it both as a router. So we have a routing node on the network, uh, earning us uh, a small yield uh, for routing payments, as well as um, to enable deposits and withdrawals at the exchange. And so what this allows uh, clients to do is, um, for example, uh, they could uh, be sending Bitcoin to their Lightning wallet on their phone that they want to use for transactional purposes. And the way I, I would describe it is that using Lightning on your phone is kind of like having paper cash in your wallet. It's your walking around money. Um, whereas, for example, putting Bitcoin on a hardware wallet in cold storage that's really about your savings and uh, that you don't necessarily want that to be readily accessible. And there's a trade-off there between uh, security and um, convenience. But um, that's really the, the value proposition of Lightning is being able to uh, easily convert from your local currency uh, at Kraken to, uh, to Bitcoin and then to be able to uh, send that to your wallet and use it for uh, everyday payments. Yeah, it's really cool to see and and see it rolled out. And uh, I'm, yeah, I think if there's a couple of really great explorers out there, you can actually see you know the size of the Kraken node and the and the and the number of transactions it's processing. It's really um it's a it, it's really cool infrastructure. You know that there is this kind of visibility as well. So uh, something for you guys at home to 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 look up. Okay, well I, yeah, just one last thing from you. I guess it's um. You know, coming towards the end of our of our chat, I'd, I'd love you to tell me, you know, where you see Lightning going. Like, what is the trajectory from here? Now that there's definitely a kind of I would call a viable network of of nodes, and, and what what's what's the future for Lightning, and also what's next for Bitcoin? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for for Lightning, it's really about making it easier and easier to use, and that's that's what motivated us to implement it here at Kraken is 
uh, we want to make kind of uh, the utility aspect of all of cryptocurrencies uh, to be easy to use. And that's really our, our focus as, um, as a business. So um, essentially, if you're using Lightning at Kraken, you don't have to worry about the channel management. Uh, you don't have to worry about maintaining the node and keeping that reliable. But I also think that it's important in terms of balance that the open source ecosystem continue to build, continue to make it easier uh, for people to run their own nodes, for people to have their own non-custodial Lightning uh, uh, wallet as well. And that's something that we're seeing uh, develop in real time as well. Uh, there's lots of great non-custodial wallets already, um, and, and I see them improving every time I uh, update the apps on my phone. Um, the other part I think is uh, really important is on the merchant adoption side. So uh, having more and more places where you can spend uh, Bitcoin using Lightning, that I think is is a really uh, challenging space because um, there's a lot of education that needs to go on, but also that um, it's it's kind of almost door-to-door -door sales, right? Uh, of the uh, one to N uh, challenge of, of building this out. And there are great companies in the space that, that are tackling it. Um, but we, we also want to, at Kraken, uh, offer Lightning via our REST API. So that's uh, something that we're working on so that others can can build on top of our infrastructure. As, as for Bitcoin, I think that you know the the headline right now is that uh, Bitcoin's in a and the whole space is in a, a bear market, um, and I, I I just find that kind of uh, bewildering uh, just because uh, you know we were uh, in, price wise uh, I don't know it just still feels like we're very high up, um, and uh, I guess that's kind of the the story of uh, the history of Bitcoin. But hmm. uh, price aside, I think that uh, it's really about seeing more on the ground adoption. And we saw last year um, El Salvador uh, making moves there. Um, but I think that that trend is going to continue regardless of what the Bitcoin price does, uh, because there's so much demand for uh, being able to, uh, again, send those cross-border payments, um, but also kind of have control over your own money uh, and, and have the freedom to uh, be able to uh, receive it, hold it, spend it how you want. And so I think that those fundamentals are hold true regardless of uh, what the price is doing and what the volatility is. Well, I, I appreciate your insight, Pierre. And I think it's a, it's just a great reminder that there, there's so much innovation happening in the space and, and people think of Bitcoin as a bit of a granddad, but it, it, it too is, um, is evolving over time. And, and I think Lightning's a perfect example of that. So Pierre, look, thanks so much for, for joining me today and sharing sharing that that insight and hope you have a great a great day over there thank you you too jonathan thanks for having me on thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier and remember you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com learn until next time i've been jonathan miller and this has been the crypto frontier Thank you.